It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. And happy a happy Mother's Day. I was going to say that. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there who hopefully are listening. And a very big week ahead with the third annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit kicking off Tuesday evening, continuing through Thursday. You've got a program designed to focus on some very key issues, Alan. Yep, it looks like it's coming together. Uh, I can't believe it's here, but it, it's here, and it looks um, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. Um, I had the first arrival at my house on Friday. Uh, the um, autonomous stuff, uh, Lexus uh, showed up, and um, uh, I guess it could have driven itself. Um, although it was brought, uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so we're underway. Uh, we will have a, a few vehicles. Uh, we'll have, uh, I think, one other piece that we haven't talked about. Uh, I've gotten the local dealers to basically bring their safest cars that they have in the showroom uh, to lay out uh, outside and and basically try to. Uh, to have uh, people understand, you know, the, and compare the safety features, mostly the um, the um, automated emergency braking systems and and uh, lane keeping, uh, and so on uh, systems on each of these cars, and and I think it'll give us all a chance to begin to understand who has what and how good it is, and we'll be of course uh, featuring part of that during the um, during the uh, summit with re- with a workshop on uh, how good automated or emergency braking is or is not in current vehicles and when is it actually going to start to really work and um, have people from the um, um, uh, Insurance Institute um, for Highway Safety here and and focus on that as well as um, the driverless piece of this, which is... uh, as we call it, uh, mobility machines and, uh, that uh, will uh, hopefully be designed and oriented towards uh, providing uh, uh, enhanced mobility to the people who have been so marginalized by our current uh, uh, technologies, uh, those that require you to have a driver's license or uh, require you to be a banker in New York. And so therefore New Jersey transit provides you service. Otherwise um, uh, forget about it. And so, um, yes, it should be very interesting. Yeah. And that approach that you're taking that you were alluding to there about mobility for all, looking at all of this technology and and what it can mean really is a a unique kind of thing. You, You don't hear enough talk about this. Well, I think that's why we're doing it is because we haven't heard enough of it. And in fact, if you look at the, these things, uh, instead of the way it's been presented uh, up to now, oh, my goodness, I'll have another choice of the way to go to work uh, or something. Uh, I don't already have 15 choices. Now I have to have a 16th. Uh, but to people and, and, and to um, our our, our, our uh uh, members of our community and our neighbors who don't have uh, all the existing opportunities, um, who aren't served by New Jersey Transit, uh, who um, uh, can't get a driver's license, or or who, uh, for one reason or another, don't wish to own or or maintain a car. 
what about mobility for them? And as we, as we really look at the opportunity of uh, this technology, especially the driverless opportunity, this is opportunity to provide mobility to everyone, and especially to those who don't have a bunch of choices uh, and therefore really change their lives and provide them an opportunity to go to the library or to go to violin lessons or go to soccer practice or go to work or go to school uh, without, um, my goodness, um, uh, having having to walk. Because, of course, uh, if you really look at that, um, the amount of service that's offered uh, here in New Jersey and in other states, it's even worse uh, to people who don't have an automobile. It's, it's just, it's an embarrassment. And here we, we're working on this technology, have these billions of dollars invested in this technology worldwide. And what, uh, to give uh, me another option? Come on. Uh, but to give somebody else who, who really hasn't had an option all of a sudden an opportunity and, and, and it may get as far as what Elon Musk said a, a couple of weeks ago. My goodness, these vehicles are going to be able to provide mobility uh, maybe at 18 cents a mile, a vehicle mile. Are you kidding? If in fact we if we get even even to, to 36 cents, I mean, Elon always, you know, uh, has a is optimistic, but even at 36 cents a, a vehicle mile. And my goodness, if we can get to ride sharing where we're providing two people mobility at 36 cents a vehicle mile, uh, geez, everybody can afford to do it or every community can afford to provide this service uh, to its uh, citizens and to its uh, community members uh, who, who might not be able to afford it. So, um, this is the opportunity, and this is the opportunity that we'll we'll be really focusing on, uh, and 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 the opportunity for we have the autism community, we have the the uh, visually impaired community here. Uh, it will be very interesting. It sure will. You've got a, a great lineup uh, planned, and uh, we'll be doing some podcasting from there. It's going to be exciting for those who can make it. Uh, get information. Uh, better hurry at uh, smartdrivingcar.com. On the news front, Alan, Cruz, the self-driving division of GM, has attracted another $1.15 billion in funding from backers, including T. Rowe Price, Honda, GM, and SoftBank's Vision Fund. It, it boosts the valuation of Cruz to more than $19 billion, with a robo-taxi service planned to begin this year, taking on, it appears, Google's Waymo. Uh, yep, uh, absolutely. This is the, this is the technology that could uh, allow the creation of what I was just talking about, providing uh, mobility to everyone, uh, and and being mobility machines, providing 50, 60, 70 trips per day, as opposed to the vehicles that we now have provide three, four, or five. And, uh, and then we have to own them and so on. So, yes, um, of course, it should be valued uh, uh, that much, if not a heck of a lot more, uh, especially considering, and I guess we'll talk about um, uh, what um, Uber went out for. And so th th this is the technology that would enable 
that kind of mobility to be actually delivered uh, to the traveling public. Um, without that technology, uh, it's business as usual, which is not very pretty. Yeah, and the, the other thing with respect to that is we should look uh, as to who the, the investors are, and one of the big names that sits out there is SoftBank. And if you look at um, the current um, version of the newsletter, there's, there is a really interesting chart in there that's linked, which shows the um, uh, SoftBank's investments in this particular um, uh, domain, uh, the driverless mobility domain. They are uh, one of the big players, and the other big player is Waymo, and the other big player is is Elon Musk and Tesla, and really those are the three players. Yeah, and uh, it's good to see some competition really for uh, for for what Waymo has been doing, and they, to a great extent, I guess they've been pretty much all alone, uh, at least in this part of the world, in, in what they're doing. Yes, and they, they have been. They've been leading, uh, but uh, those two are really uh, they're um, uh, nipping at their heels. And uh, it's, um, I guess, uh, we're, uh, we believe in capitalism. Uh, competition is good. Uh, so uh, go for it, guys. Speaking of uh, robotic taxi services, uh, Uber's IPO debuted Friday and it was not as successful as the Uber folks and many investors had hoped with the initial price of $45 a share closing down more than seven and a half percent on opening day. Yeah. And uh, I think if one looks at what Lyft's been doing since opening day, uh, really Uber's trend is going to be different. Lyft's, what do they have that's different? I mean, in some sense, um, they're not in as good position as Lyft. At least Lyft didn't go out at, at, at such a high number. Also, uh, Lyft is basically in, in North America, as opposed to being in some countries in which, I guess, I don't know, does Uber really stand a chance in any of those countries? Uh, maybe they own part uh, some investment in some other companies, uh, some local companies that might uh, be valuable. But again, uh, um, Uber may be more valuable broken up into its its pieces that it, it that it owns uh, rather than um, as a company as a whole and that's strange to say about somebody on on its uh, first day out well uber and lyft uh, have had to contend with strikes by some drivers in the meantime and those, those drivers trying to organize well Uber supposedly was putting itself out as an internet company, uh, which isn't supposed to have labor as an input and more as a as an a part of it. Uh, you know, internet companies uh, sort of have minimal amount of labor associated with the, their companies, and therefore are somewhat uh, protected from labor strife. Uh, but here, just on a uh, day before they're supposed to go out, uh, all of a sudden, uh, the labor that they claim is really not part of them is all of a sudden, um, in some sense, uh, break, cutting them off at the knees. Well, independent contractors, they may be referred to as, but uh, without them right now, <laughs> they're nowhere. Without them right now, they are nowhere. Well, Lyft has a new partnership to talk about Waymo, 
Uh, Lyft riders in the Phoenix area will soon be able to choose to ride in one of Waymo's self-driving minivans. A handful at first, maybe, but uh, there are plans. Well, uh, yes, I guess, as I've written before and we've discussed here, uh, Waymo needs Lyft. Uh, because uh, if they do provide driverless uh, mobility services out there, uh, there will always be some of their customers who will either prefer or require a, a driver. And so in, in a sense, uh, the, uh, a Waymo offering would have to have a, a driver portion in which they have either gig workers or employees uh, providing uh, those services to its customers. And so the, the partnership with uh, Lyft in support of driverless uh, Waymo is, um, is I think, absolutely a, a necessity for Waymo. Um, and so uh, this is the beginning of it. You might say, hey, this is a flipped around. This is Waymo in support of Lyft. Um, that's not going to last long. It's going to flip the other way It's in which it's Lyft in support of Waymo if Waymo actually um, you know, does go out and do what they've been claiming to do. Lyft isn't going to do that. Uh, sure, Lyft is partially owned by uh, or GM and, and Cruz has a big stake in Lyft and, and they can go support them. Uh, but, um, and of course, Aptiv has been working <clears throat> with Lyft. Uh, but um, I don't know if, um, if you want to forecast the one reality that will come out, I, I think it's, it's one in which uh, that reality is Waymo uh, with Lyft in support. And I guess the other thing that I wrote <laughs> in uh, in smart driving cars is that uh, uh, um, I don't know that they even needed an agreement. What was keeping a, uh, a Waymo attendant from um, uh, basically um, uh, signing up with Lyft and uh, all of a sudden getting the Lyft ride and just showing up with, with his or her Pacific and, and telling the people hop on in, here we go. So in some sense, um, they formalized something that could have been happening informally anyway would have been interesting. I'm not so sure that uh, necessarily um, Waymo would have done it that way, uh, but uh, certainly they could have and, and they could. Um, I don't think uh, Lyft has a requirement that uh, every that the Lyft driver actually has to be driving the car <laughs> if they happen to be and have the have uh, to their avail. A, um, a Pacifica that has all the Waymo stuff on it and Waymo's doing it. So whatever, but um, maybe that's just a cute look at all that. Uh, just throwing it out there for the entertainment of our listeners. Well, uh, we've talked before about the absolute necessity for, for companies to be out front. And certainly Waymo wants riders to know ahead of time that, uh, that their attendant is not going to have his or her hands on the wheel necessarily. Well, I, I guess, but the, you know, when I, when I summon a, a, a lift and it comes back and it tells me Joe's going to be driving and it tells me it's going to be a, you know, who knows what it could have been Jane who was an attendant in a uh, Chrysler Pacifica equipped with the Waymo technology. And um, just like I might decide to uh, not get in the car with Joe, uh, I might decide not to get in the Pacifica with, with Jane. But um, anyway, um, 
think about it. <laughs> Interesting. Tesla is again restructuring its autopilot team with Elon Musk at the helm, according to reports. Yes, and um, I, I think I think that's where Elon should be. I mean, if you if you look at what Tesla has succeeded in doing, they have built um, automobile manufacturing plants that produce vehicles. And uh, the conventional aspects of those vehicles, I think we would all have to agree, are as good as what are produced by the um, traditional automakers. So in a sense, he's accomplished um, uh, uh, the creation of a manufacturing facility to produce competitive conventional vehicles. What sets him really apart is is the software that he's put in those vehicles and and i from the beginning i was very suspect of of his capabilities there uh, but i but one just has to ride in one of these vehicles and say oh my goodness this is really pretty darn good and and when you look at the at the customer service that he's placed on this where now he is, uh, and the, 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 the software is updating itself in a sense. It's autonomous software. It's updating itself, or he updates it over the air. And, as, and, and, and I think from a customer's perspective, you, you have the feeling that, that this company is going to uh, make sure that the software piece of this thing, that they can correct almost at a, at a drop of a hat, uh, they're going to keep as as uh, current and as good as they can possibly make it through the life of your ownership. Uh, no conventional uh, car maker is doing that with the vehicles that any of us buy today. You know, they're not guaranteeing that. Uh, and maybe you can't do that with the hardware portion of the car. You can do that with the software, and he's doing that. And in a sense, if you look at, at how these vehicles are going to improve over time, uh, the ride quality and, and power and, and so on and styling, my goodness, um, um, uh, what's today is really good enough. Um, uh, what can really improve is the software. And so if you take the, the this consumer product that is a combination of a classic uh, automobile with current software and it's the sum of those two things it's the value proposition he is he is so far out in front of all the other automakers on the software piece that he's going to crush him and if he then takes and, and focuses on maintaining that lead they're left in the dust so far behind so of course, that is the important piece. That is his competitive advantage. And um, by him um, uh, assuming the lead on that, he's basically saying, I'm going to crush you. And Uber's CEO was on TV Friday expressing doubts about Elon Musk's plans to have autonomous robotic taxis on the roads next year. Um, that was on his IPO day. Yeah, and he was saying that with respect to the timing 
I don't think he was necessarily saying that with respect to the to the capabilities, but with when those capabilities and the timing of those capabilities. And to me, the interesting piece of this thing is that is that if he thinks Elon Musk is wrong, then he, then he's admitting that he's in trouble. Because if Elon is wrong, and it's going to be later, he didn't go say, hey, I'm going to do it by that time, or I'm going to beat him to market, or I'm going to get there faster, because I don't think anybody believes he's ahead, or he can leapfrog him, or he can get there faster, which implies he's going. To, it's going to be a long time before he has it. Uber can't survive that long. They 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 have to have this to be worth anything near what they went out there unless they have a massive pivot into some new kind of uh, operation or something like that. But in what their central business is, which is providing mobility to people, uh, they can't be worth what they went out at or anywhere near what they went out at without having Elon be correct. Because if he's correct, then maybe uh, Uber will be right behind him in being able to do it, and it will be soon enough to save them. Otherwise, they aren't going to make it that long. As you've said before, the business model doesn't make sense if there, if there are drivers involved. Yeah, I mean, that's... My goodness, they, they went out as an internet company. They are not an internet company unless they don't have to worry about a, 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 a labor and the labor component, which means they have to have a mobility system that that isn't dependent on human labor. I don't know. To me, those are the fundamentals of this thing. You know, I always love Taylor Sears. Taylor Sears in math is basically the expression of, a, of something with respect to, you know, uh, an ordered set of, of important products. The, the zeroth order is the big one. The first order is uh, order of magnitude or so smaller. The second order is even smaller and smaller and smaller. The zeroth order term on this business is you've got to have driverless mobility services out there that are safe that the public believes that are safe, then you have the opportunity to do that. Without that, uh, they're going to strike on you. It's going to be like the steel strikes uh, in the steel industry. I mean, you know, it's going to be ugly. You talk about public confidence. I suppose this is related. Uh, A survey conducted on behalf of the Internet Society and Consumers International found two-thirds of those questioned expressing worry about connected devices. Uh, there's lots of worry about privacy protection, uh, some calling this technology creepy. Yeah, or I don't know. You know, I, I complain about the, 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 the similar studies uh, with respect to uh, driverless vehicles and people being afraid of them, and I, I sort of poo-poo them because they really don't know. But this one they know about. They know about the privacy thing. Oh my goodness! I think I on, on the last smart driving cars, um, I, I I said something about the Maginot Line. So I did a search on my computer in my office on Maginot Line, and it, and about an hour later, my wife on her phone 
got some sort of advertising or something that talked about the Maginot line. Whoa, what? Not only, you know, somebody's looking at what's going on on my computer, but somehow correlating to what then happens on my wife's computer. Man, you know, you want to, you want to turn this stuff off. I mean, what are, I mean, 1984 are you kidding uh um not so easy to turn it off and and uh, absolutely i guess in 19 and you know we have to go back and look at 1984 i put a put some links to 1984 in in the in the newsletter i mean yipes uh this is this is just this is ugly and my goodness i was just thinking even today you know i I used to own ALK, and one of the products we developed was Copilot, a turn-by-turn navigation system, and you know it it charges for it, and 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 people, you know, all use Waze and free from Google. My goodness, I I, I want to talk to those guys and say, boy, just you know, continue to push Copilot and say we'll protect your privacy. You have any idea what Waze and Google does with your turn-by-turn navigation requests? I'd be afraid to ask the question. Yeah, and uh, despite all of that, in, in the meantime, the Consumer Technology Association has a new study out, uh, came out this week, that says about a third of U.S. homes now own a smart speaker, and that's up from just 8% three years ago. So it's kind of a love-hate relationship, I suppose. It, it is a love-hate relationship. It has to be a love-hate relationship. I, You know, I have two of them here. Uh, hardly ever use them. I think one of them isn't even hooked up to the internet, but I did get one, but my goodness. Uh, um, are those speakers on uh, all the time? Are those microphones on all the time? Uh, what are they listening to? Uh, what are they doing with all that stuff? Supposedly listening for a key word, but they have to be listening nonetheless. Yeah, they have to be listening. If they're going to respond to you without you pushing a button, that means they have to be listening. And just because they only respond when you say the word Alexa, it's heard everything else. And maybe they aren't responding them. They're just they're just out there storing it. And uh, 1984. I mean, this is worse than 1984. And it's one thing for the National Security Agency to have it. It's another thing for um, Cambridge Analytica to have it or, or Facebook. I don't know. Yipes. And, uh, and uh, I guess we'll be talking about more of these issues with the connected car and all of the data and tracking all of us and where we're going and knowing everything else. Well, I that, guess that's be part one of the this. reasons why I've, I haven't been a big fan of connected cars. These vehicles don't have to be connected to be safe and to provide enormous value to us. Uh, you know, if I drive a 55 Chevy and um, and I pay attention, uh, I can get to places very safely and I'm not connected. Um, and so uh, with technology that basically takes the same approach, uh, just keeps you from getting in trouble and keeps you from misbehaving, keeps you from tailgating and keeps you from, you know, acting like an idiot out there. 
then in fact you can comfortably get from A to B without being connected. I don't want to hear about somebody coming around a corner that I can't see. I'll just, I'll go more slowly there. But let me play devil's advocate here. When it comes to ride sharing or or autonomous vehicles, these vehicles, out of necessity, from the moment you summon a vehicle with your with your smartphone, they know where you are, where you're going, and that's all data that's being collected. Absolutely, and that's why it's uh, when whenever that happens, they would be uh, will be under regulatory control, and it's going to be transparent in terms of what is done and not done with those data, and and the public sector will oversee it to make sure that in fact the good pieces of that of that information uh, are provi- are used to provide uh, good to society as opposed to sitting there who knows what uh, facebook is using uh, the data that that they get from me and in a sense you know it, it, when it's uncontrolled as it is now and unregulated it is now it's zuckerberg's uh, you know uh, fiduciary responsibility uh, to, as I like to say, screw me the most he can because because um, who's going to pay the most for my information? It's somebody who wants to, me to do something that I don't want to do uh, because otherwise I will do it anyway. Uh, I will do what I want to do. So they get me to do what I don't want to do. They're the ones that are willing to pay the most for my information. And therefore, it's his um, fiduciary responsibility to his stockholders to sell my data uh, to those individuals first. That's how uh, he maximizes the profitability of, 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 of Facebook. That is fundamentally in, in, against what is in my best interest. And so we really do need regulatory oversight in, 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 in these situations to ensure that, in fact, uh, uh, these companies who uh, could be using these data to provide good to society really do provide good to society as opposed to maybe what they're doing now. And a reminder that if the smartphone is in your pocket, uh, your car is connected <laughs> because it's reporting back where you are unless you've got the GPS turned off, which takes away a lot of the functionality of having a smartphone, then it knows where you are. Right. And it doesn't. And so do the apps. Yes, because then it'll use the Wi-Fi signals and has all those located and therefore it knows where you are. And the, yes, I mean, this is. Uh, but it's but it's really it can provide enormous value to us. But um, as with most things, there's both good news and bad news. And what we have to do as a society is try to extract uh, as much of the good news and uh, hold back as much of the bad news as we possibly can. So, um, you know, that's the nature of our lives. Sure is. From Velodyne comes an announcement that it will showcase the world's most advanced uh, for autonomous vehicles, a form of uh, LIDAR called Veloray. And that will be at the Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit. Autonomous stuff will conduct a demonstration of an autonomous vehicle operating with the, with the Velodyne LIDAR. Uh, this is going to be fun. Yep, yeah, and, uh, and the autonomous stuff vehicle arrived Friday. It's um, sitting um, in my uh, in front of my front door and on the on the drive in front of the front door, and we're it's actually going to happen. And it's nice to see that Velodyne is 
has picked the summit as a place to introduce its its technology and and um, that'll be part of the uh, discussion uh, at the conference this is this is a conference a summit in which uh, we're looking for uh, for discussion this is not a, a bunch of sales pitches and so on uh, this is uh, for discussion purposes uh, we're trying to um, to uh, make sure that uh, all of this uh, is developed such that it uh, it gets the best out of it for all of us as opposed to um, uh, otherwise. And again, that is this week, May 14th through 16th at Princeton University. Head to smartdrivingcar.com for more info. That's also where you can find us. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more, all those smart speakers we were talking about. Please use those smart speakers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we don't get any of the data. Trust me, okay? So, and if we did, we wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, you can also find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Have a great week, and thanks for listening. And happy Mother's Day to everybody, and it's great having you, and um, uh, see you uh, on Tuesday evening in my house.